Welcome to Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. Each and every week, we get to talk to new and exciting people about whatever is on their mind and what's important to them, whether it's health, overcoming addiction, spirituality, finding God, uh, politics, conspiracy, you name it, we cover it. So it's an honor and a blessing to have you join us. I look forward to meeting you and thank you so much for tuning in. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. This is episode number 90. Today is going to be Rock Plague, and I have my wonderful, lovely buddy, Mr. Bob's Lessons, a.k.a. Sideshow Bob, a.k.a. Space is Fake and Gay. (laughs) Indeed it is. What's up, old buddy, old pal, Janet? (laughs) Uh, I like the updated backdrop. It's very nice. I, I I need to step up my game. I have this blurry ass camera with this really bad background and poor lighting. So uh, you're making me have to level up. <laughs> hey, it's a good background for anybody that's into uh, music because they can peruse the albums on your wall. Oh yeah, yeah. Got a couple of good LPs on the wall there. So uh, yeah, just thought I'd flex that a little bit. Flex yeah. my vinyl collection. Show your uh, vinyl muscle. <laughs> yeah, it's about the only muscle I can flex. <laughs> so what's been so, new in uh, your world? Not a whole lot. Just keeping busy, but I do see something interesting on the chair next to you. Oh, what is yeah. that? Well, I got two saved. I got one for you and another one for your hubby. Uh, it's my Space is Fake and Gay shirt. Nice. That you can get. Uh, all you have to DM me uh, at Bob's Lessons, and uh, I will get you your correct size, and I will get it shipped straight to you. And you can wear it and sport it, and you can tag me in it, and I'll uh, give you some props for it. But yeah, my that's my my big catchphrase is space is fake and gay, and basically what it means is question that the world space around is you. fake and gay i mean yeah like literally <laughs> that's pretty obvious Duh. <laughs> i mean if you want to take it literally i think space is fake and it's a little gay uh if you want to take it metaphorically it means question the world around you how many times have i been in your backyard or you've called me and been like hey the moon just fucking disappeared, disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah, out in the country or, now so it's yeah. extra gay out there like the, yeah. the space is, is really gay in the country it is very much gay out here, yeah. And it's <laughs> it's so weird because it'll disappear and you won't see it for like a week or two weeks. And they're like, oh, it's part of the lunar phases and that's why you can't see it. I'm like, right. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. With, us, with us constantly spinning and, and moving on the rotation that they say we are and you can't see it, okay? I'm just amazed at how, how much money is dumped into NASA. And all we get is this, you know, this CGI image of a blue floating globe. My deal is if we're paying billions of dollars to NASA, it should be like literally a camera, like the same thing that goes up your ass for a colonoscopy. We should be looking <laughs> up the ass of the moon. That's how good of an image we should get, you know? We should have a moon scope. <laughs> yeah, we should have a moon scope up the ass of the dark side of the moon, just like my backside. <laughs> So yeah. how is the old backside doing lately? It's good. It's, it it always acts up like uh, winter, like it comes springtime. So, you know, it's 
that's actually how I realized that everything was cyclical when I when I got diagnosed with Crohn's and then you know I realized that my disease kind of came and go based on based on the cycles of, of the seasons. So then I realized you know that stuff isn't as linear as you think. It's more cyclical. So I found mm-hmm. that to be interesting because I can almost tell you ba- like by the day if you know when I'm going to act up. You know. It's kind of like somebody with depression because that's the mm-hmm. same thing for them where, you know, like when it's winter or dark or dreary, that's that's when they uh, activate that depression into high gear. So Yeah, I think season, seasonal depression is a real thing. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, vibrational frequencies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of that changes and people don't realize that it's a lot of... And, unless you're consciously looking out for it, then you will never understand why you feel the way you do. But once you become conscious of it, you have a little bit more uh, control over it. You know, I just saw this movie called free guy, which I would recommend for everybody starting starring uh, Ryan Reynolds. And it's kind of about that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's about this guy that realizes he's an NPC, right? right? So he's a NPC in this video game and he's walking around doing his daily routine. And then one day, like something, he becomes co- becomes conscious of his surrounding, and, and and in this movie he puts on these these sunglasses and he sees a completely different world. It helps him break his routine, but he becomes extremely more powerful once he breaks out of that cycle. And I think that's really, uh, you know, I, I think that's a good lesson. You know, that once we become conscious of it, we have more power and control over our uh, surroundings. I thought that was kind of a cool movie. Absolutely. It's a, it's a metaphor for the human condition. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we just watched that too. And it was uh, his, his waking up was cause he wanted to talk to that girl. Well, isn't that everybody's waking up? <laughs> right. I want to be, uh, I want to break out of my routine so I can talk to the hot chick. Oh, listen, <laughs> 99% of what happens on this planet is because of guys that want to impress women, including <laughs> skyscrapers. Think of those tall skyscrapers, right? Like some guy with a small dick like wants to impress a girl, <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to build this 150-story skyscraper and then take some chick and say, yeah, I built that. It's all phallic. Everything's phallic. <laughs> well, he's got to substitute for that button peeny, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. With I may have a small dick, but I have a big boulder. tower. Yeah, <laughs> it's all foul, oh, Janet. Man. So, what is new with you? I mean, for the people that are new listening that don't mm-hmm. know you, who is Bob? Oh man, that's such a loaded question. Um, you know, you know me for a while. And those that you d- that do not know me, uh, I've I am a I'm on a hero's journey of truth, and I have been for about a decade. Um, I am one of those people that's willing to pivot when I get new information and I don't get stuck, you know, in, in a pendulum of one thought. Uh, and, and I think that's a very freeing philosophy to have as well. And that, that allows you to stay away from confirmation bias. Um, I'm someone that enjoys humor, uh, on my podcast, uh, the QTN podcast, I, t- I speak extensively about how humor is the best remedy for everything. And right. one of the ways, one of the signs you can tell that a society is deteriorating is when things become less funny, when you lose mm-hmm. your sense of humor, uh, which is why during the 2016 election, that whole the left can't meme thing I thought was so important because the left lost their ability to be funny. Right. Now, I, I will say this. There's certain elements of the right right now 
that have lost their ability to meme and to be funny as well. And so I really just think people in general, you know, no matter what you are, gay, straight, white, black, this, that, and the other, if you lose your ability to be funny and to be self-deprecating in that funniness too, right? Like right. if you get offended by everything, then you're you're one, you're self-centered and you think your shit's more important than other people. Right. And and two, you know, you lose the ability to um you know, see the humor, like you, you allow things to have power over you. Right. When you don't see the humor and stuff. Think, believe it or not, you allow things to uh, have power over you. For example, in the LGBTQ community, um, they get offended by everything. I've, I, I've talked to members of the community that say, I can't even hang out with gay people because you even get one word wrong. Like a buddy of mine said, like, I called somebody transgender rather than transgendered. Right. And he got hated on by a lot of people of his own community. If you lose that ability to be humorous, self-deprecating, if you take yourself too seriously, then um, you lose that. Really, you lose the power because what ends up happening is if you claim victimhood all the time, if you always say, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, you give power to the people that you think are oppressing you. When you break past that barrier of victimhood, mm -hmm. then you become powerful. And that's kind Absolutely. of the message that, that I want to bring to everybody. So um, tell people about your podcast. Like, what does QTN mean and why did you decide to start that? Sure. So QTN means question the narrative. And I got that from my cousin, Kurt, uh, the bod, um, who was on a podcast that I do with my cousin, Tommy, called No Mercy Podcast. So the QTN podcast is like my side project or my solo project. So, for example, like uh, when Phil Collins left Genesis or, you know, started doing his solo thing. Right. So you right. had Genesis and you had Phil Collins. So comparing myself to Phil Collins, I don't know. If it's the best. <laughs> but QTN is my, hey, my Phil Collins. Wait, wait. Conspiracy Kyle would be super happy that you just brought that up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Shout out. I, I, I'm like, his man. I'm like a, a third through his audio book right now, which I was so happy that he had his book on tape because I haven't finished a book in like 20 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my thing either. I don't I cannot sit down just to read unless right. it's, you know, like I'm researching. But yeah, so I, I like, don't enjoy that. Here's what I love about our podcast name. So QTN, which intrinsically question the narrative, which means, I mean, like generally, like whatever the narrative is, I go the exact opposite. Right. I start there and then I bring my way back in rather Absolutely. than taking the narrative. Right. Right. With you deplorable nation. What you're doing is you're taking a word deplorable, which was used to demonize half the country and you Absolutely. empowered yourself with it. Right. Yeah. So you absolutely. went against the narrative with your nation. We took that word deplorable, which was meant to be used to, you know, be like demeaning. Put us down. Bash Put us down. Yeah. And instead of claiming victimhood, we empowered ourselves. We said, 100%. yes, we are deplorables, which I think is cool. That's a powerful statement. And yep. that's why they kick you off of everything. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> fingers crossed that has not happened for a little while now. So... You know, yeah. knock on wood, that's not going to happen again, but who knows? For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I wear it as a badge of honor because, you know, like you were talking before about people losing their sense of humor and, 
you know, nothing's funny and everything is so offensive. Mm-hmm. I have been called so many names. It does not faze me. So, you know, people ask me before, they're like, well, do you ever think about changing your name? And I'm like, why would I? No, no, you don't. Double yeah. down on it, you know? Yeah, like Absolutely. That's the one thing I've always noticed about you is that you double down. Like, you, you don't apologize. You stand your ground. And you've always done that. And, and that's yep. what I've always admired about you and your brand as well because that, that's what you built for yourself is a brand. And I think, you know, it, especially a lot of women, you know, in this whatever movement you want to call it, you know, look up to people like you who who, who do that because um, I think a lot of women are afraid to come out it's really what it is to come out, you know, <laughs> to come out with the voice. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. Like, and you know, there's you know, so many people that think like this, but are yeah. afraid to come out of the closet. Think about that. But you know why I think that is, especially for women is because women as a whole in general are worried about, uh, outside appearances and mm-hmm. how they appear to other people and what other people think of them. I am the complete opposite of that because I'm proud of who I am and it doesn't matter if, you know, somebody outside approves of me or doesn't approve of me because I don't need their approval. Right. But there's a lot of people that I think are still stuck in that, you know, like, Am I brave enough to speak out? Uh, do I really have a voice? Is there, you know, are people going to put me down or call me names? And you do get it in the community. You certainly do get people that come after you, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think once you stop worrying about that, um, people actually respect you more. I know that sounds strange, but yeah, 100%. Um, I, I respect people that no matter what, well, I shouldn't say no matter what their belief is, but anybody that stands strong and firm in who they are and doesn't bow down that like the number one thing. And I always look to, I always look to comedians, the comedians that don't apologize for their jokes. Right. And I know we had just had this big thing at the fucking Grammys. And right. I, I do want to talk about that a little bit, but that is exactly what I talk about on my podcast is the war against comedy, the mm-hmm. war against funny. My big catchphrase on my podcast is don't, lose the funny will right. smith whatever whether it's premeditated at that moment lost his funny he has for a long time and and i think that's being shown and and surprisingly to pleasantly surprised is that a lot of people of uh you know in comedy are finally seeing it that there is a war against the joke right and the important thing is here is is and Patrice O'Neill, who's my favorite comedian, if you ever heard of him, said this. He said, all jokes come from the same birth, right? They're all, mm-hmm. they came out of the same hoo-ha. But here's the difference. Some <laughs> jokes are funny. Some jokes aren't funny. But you deserve the right to tell the fucking joke and to either be funny or not funny. You don't have, like, you can't sit here and take the temperature of the room and say, okay, who is this going to offend? Who isn't this going to offend? Who has alopecia? Who does it? Like, let me get the medical report of every single person in here. Let me get everybody's right. victim, this, that, and the other. You know, no. The goal of comedy is to make 50% of the people laugh and 50% of the people disgusted. And if mm-hmm. you've done that, then you've done your job. You've done but your job, yeah. This whole canceling co- comedians for jokes, like, like, and now you're seeing comedy clubs with signs like, there will be no jokes about race or sexism or 
this, that, and not like fuck that. Like, well, and you know, they just had, um, the, which I, I don't know how much you know about this, but uh, the Reawaken America tour, and that was a big uh thing here lately because people were doing the let's go Brandon, you know, chants all the time and stuff, and the the guy that runs the Reawaken America tour told uh, speakers that they're not allowed to say, let's go Brandon on stage. And we're like, isn't this supposed to be a free speech thing? Yeah. You know, and, and that's like a, being concerned about everybody else and how they feel and how they take something is not the kind of place that I want to live in. Right. Because, I don't want to take the time to stop and think whether, you know, something I say is going to offend you when it was supposed to be a joke. So this reawakening thing, would you say it's more conservative leaning? Is that what it was? It's supposed to be. Um, yeah. It was it was very much supposed to be. And it was supposed to be, you know, about uh, First and Second Amendments and, and things like that. And then it was like, well, you can't say that. And then, like, they wouldn't allow... Uh, a certain podcaster to that that's in the community that you know I'm friends with they they wouldn't allow them to come and even have a media booth he wasn't even speaking because the word cannabis is in his title see okay I'm so glad you touched upon this because uh Jack Allen of conser- uh, conspiracy, conspiracy or just, or just a-, a coincidence thank you <laughs> conservative or just a coincidence it's almost <laughs> well that too um <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? Man, if you want to talk about OG uh, conservatism, follow his Twitter. Man, he's he's going all out, dude. He's yeah, like nuclear he nuclear family or bust, you know? Um, but he said so eloquently, and I you know, I don't know if this is his original thought or if he read this somewhere because he, he reads a lot. Um, there's certain elements of conservatism. It seems like the new conservative movement is five years behind the liberal movement. I'm seeing a lot of things that pissed me off in 2016 about the left is now pissing me off about elements of the right. Like what you're saying, like if you go to these meetings and they're saying you can't say, let's go Brandon. In mm-hmm. 2016, it would have been totally different. We would have been like, let's go Brandon. Can't, you know, like, like right. that. It, it was unbelievable the amount of freedom we had. And so what he was saying is, is that all of my heroes are gone and all the, my enemies have blue check marks. So right. my beef is with a lot of blue check mark conservatism. Like right. they're doing Agreed. the same shit that the Agreed. left did. Like yeah. all the real conservatives or all the real whatever you want to call it patriots, they're the ones that are scrambling for numbers. Like my fucking podcast just went from like like literally like 80% decline in one episode and Apple Podcasts won't load it anymore. You know like right. like the real people out there you can't get a platform and then these fake uh, you know, people are getting blue check marks, you right. know, and it's almost to and a point that, now. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and that happens a lot um, in the community and you see the shift in that and the change in how, you know, certain people, you know, whether it be on the right or on the left or are propped up and, you know, those are like the, the people to follow. Case in point, look at the stuff that's going on with Elon Musk right now. Right. You know, and it's like now all of a sudden he's a savior. You, you, yes. Like everybody's looking for like the next big thing, whether it's, you know, 
like a, a news person to look up to or a celebrity or, or whoever, there's always somebody that they're putting in that position. Right. My personal opinion is, and the way that I live my life, is I don't follow what other people say. Right. I follow in my own footsteps and what I think I should be doing to live my life. Like, I'm not going to hang on, uh, like, uh, Jack Posobiec's. No, or, absolutely or not. Charlie Kirk or, you know, whatever, because my values are my values and my values don't align a hundred percent with anybody else. Yeah. And people, you know, think Elon Musk is some kind of hero. Like I, you know, I think Elon Musk believes in like chaos theory because right. it's like, Agreed. like he will, he will, you know, like he'll be a champion almost to both sides and he's like an enigma, but he's also like a technocrat. Like, you know, which mm-hmm. I, I think is the worst because, right. you know, Neuralink, like this is like, this is exactly. that whole Terminator 2 uh, Skynet, you know, kind of shit. Right. And he, he talks about um, singularity, which is the point in which, you know, the machines will take over. And, and even mm-hmm. talked he talks about this openly that, you know, basically at some point we're just going to have to He's submit part to of the this. transhumanist agenda. Yeah. So that, how is this dude exactly a hero? exactly what that is. And and that's why, you know, when, when he got all the Twitter shares and stuff, everybody's like, oh, my God, and he's going to save free speech and whatever. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is a person who has been working toward, you know, the, the globalist agenda and the transhumanist agenda for such a long time that. I don't know how you can all of a sudden forget what your values are. Right. And, and think that you're the same. Yeah. It, 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 they always think that these people came from nothing, you know, like, like the yeah, Elon Musk what, yeah. is, is looked up <laughs> as like, you know, some savior. I mean, it, all it takes is just a little bit of background research. I mean, but like when it really comes down to it, like anybody that's like a technocrat, like in my opinion, that's heavily involved in the advancement of technology, like right. as far as like, artificial intelligence when you know the power of artificial it's like a nuclear bomb right like right you know like they knew nuclear bombs existed in the the manhattan project this that and then they said hold on a second we have the capability to blow up this fucking earth six or seven times over now i know there's people up there that think that nuclear bombs don't exist i don't know i don't fucking know i think space is fake so that's a whole nother show (laughs) that's a whole nother show but point being let's say they are real right okay we have the ability to blow up our planet six, seven times over. Okay, let's chill the fuck out. You know, like, that's the same thing with technology. I mean, you want to talk about mm-hmm. destroying our planet. 100%. I mean, we're already seeing metaverse, right? Like, right. like we're going to start seeing, like, people go to jail for stuff they do in the metaverse. Whether, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to start seeing divorces happen because of re- of affairs in the metaverse. Right. There's going to come a time in which you're going to have a legitimate case in court for um, adultery and, right. and other things for crimes committed in an alternate universe. Well, and, and on that line, I read a very disturbing article yesterday that the future of sexual activity is humans with robots. Yes. I mean, it's been there for a while. I mean, listen, uh huh. It's been there for a while, but that's. I mean, there was predictive programming in in movies where a guy falls in love with his computer. You know, they right. fall in love with 
with AI. In Free Guy, uh, the woman falls in love with the AI character. Right. You know? So that's already put into the ethos. I mean, there's a lot of people that deal with low self-esteem where you can create whatever lover you want that's better than the reality that you're facing. Well, you know? I guess it's not any different than um, ordering one of those real life sex dolls that, I mean, they cost $5,000 or whatever, where they actually look human. And they it's dress no them up and, and whatever, but yeah. I mean, What's that's a sex not... slave? A sex slave is somebody that will do whatever you want them to do, right? And you have right. the power. So the ultimate sex slave is creating an AI sex slave that will basically just cater to all of your needs. Right? Me personally, I would rather have a human sex slave. <laughs> exactly. Completely on another. That's a completely different show too, so. But so, I mean. Real quick before we pivot, this this made me think because like the big thing before AI was the cloning shit, right? Like right. how you know a lot of celebrities were talking about how you know the the higher ups and the elites are cloning models, celebrities. Apparently, Britney Spears had some clones, and 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 that's mm -hmm. kind of their way of like having their own little sex dolls, sex slaves. I know Bernie Mac was big openly against you know cloning, right? But it's the same concept. Well and there's a there's a lot of musicians out there that you know will tell their story that you know that whoever their handlers are took them to this facility and and wanted to clone them i mean i've seen right. like multiple especially rappers i've seen i don't know how many now listen that, if i had know, if i was rolling story. with 5 billion dollars in the 90s and you told me i could get a clone of jennifer aniston that will just say yes bob to like whatever <laughs> you know like, <laughs> how do you pass that up oh but you know i think um like you said before technology and you like anybody that knows me knows that i completely 100 percent feel that technology has ruined us as a people because the more technologically advanced that we get the less and less we are able to communicate with people face to face or right. through letters or, you know, in-person contact and, it, or even like people being able to know how to speak, like case in point, you know, when I was teaching and, and my students had to write a paper and they would turn it in, they would write in text speak. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, um, what is yeah. this? I don't even know what this abbreviation means. What is this? And, you know, and so it's like we lose the ability to communicate on every single level. Yeah. And so one of the things I, I say a lot is, you know, when we were in school, you had, let's say, seven periods, seven classes. And maybe once or twice a week, you go into a computer lab where they teach you how to whatever, code, type, right. this, that, and the other. <laughs> Eventually, it's going to be the exact opposite where you have seven classes and it once or twice a week you go into a room and learn how to communicate face to face right mm -hmm. where right. most of your activity is going to be virtual and then hey there's this thing called interpersonal communication 101 that we're going to teach you guys how to talk face to face mm -hmm. you know this generation already that's growing up and I want to say post covid the same way I say post 911 where right. they don't know what life is like before screens and masks and walls. 
Right. I mean, you are conditioning an entire, and these kids are depressed. I know this because oh, I know a lot of people in education. Right. I know a lot of teachers that are quitting. My mom's retiring. Right. You know? And um, it's just what's going to happen is the learning's going to be virtual. Kids are already uh, not understanding the concept of, of speaking face to face. When I was teaching, uh, I was trying to get my kids to. So I, I basically ran like a school of rock. And so I had these kids that were in a band together and I was trying to help them understand communication between band members. Uh, right. you know, uh, everything from advertising to uh, managing practices to communicating gigs and scheduling. I couldn't even get them to communicate properly on like mm -hmm. a group thread text. Right. I couldn't get them to communicate with each other during the rehearsals. It, it was like I was speaking to zombies. And that was the first time that I was really just worried about, you know, where we're heading. Right. And, you know, another thing to consider with, with the advancement of technology um, and, you know, how, like I said, each time we have something new, technology comes in and communication decreases in the future. And this is where they're going with the transhumanist agenda is that you will never have to actually open your mouth to speak words mm -hmm. because you're going to have the technology where if you think something it communicates yes. that to someone else yeah and that's your minority report movie that's your demolition man right mm -hmm. that was the big big thing with demolition man but mm -hmm. that that's the ultimate goal and if we think that the technology isn't already there i got right. news it i got is. a bridge it's it's been there yeah i mean it's been there I mean, yeah. just think about the fact that you're we're talking right now and our phones gathering data on us, you know, mm -hmm. like the technology's there. And once it's released to the public, it's already been tested and, and thoroughly vetted to where they know, you know right. how, how it's going to work to their advantage. But it's funny because any every time that there's a culture, you breed a counterculture, too. So I'm also seeing a lot of kids. Um, It's. Similar to like in the 90s where like, you know, if let's just say a girl was uh, was very loose with herself, if you know what I mean. In the 90s, she was Lucy dubbed Goosey. A, yeah, Lucy Goosey. She was dubbed a slut. Right. And, right. And so now the new slut is is somebody that overposts. So now the new thing is like the counterculture is I'm not posting. So I see a lot of people, especially girls. Don't post a lot. Maybe five or six posts on their entire account, right? Mm -hmm. That's the new like, you know, I'm saving myself for marriage. Is like, is <laughs> the anti anti technology. So it is actually breeding. The counterculture is no technology, not putting myself out there in front of the world, not showing my ass, you know, on the internet, being right. more privatized with everything. So there, we are breeding a subculture of hippies, natural. Uh, you know, a big like natural movement, and I can even hear it in music. That's also another way I could kind of gauge where our culture is, because the big counterculture right now is in music is minimalist, stripped down acoustic or piano, uh, simplistic lyrics, simplistic songwriting. So yeah, I, can, I, I, I was gonna say it's funny that you brought that up because when we were talking earlier about, you know, technology and enhancements and whatever. 
the thing I was thinking was I like the kind of music like there used to be where it's just simple and you don't have synthesized things and, you know, all these fake noises and all that stuff incorporated into the music. I like the simple stripped down so much better. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And it's an, it's just natural. It, it's just the same thing as li- enjoying an organic piece of fruit rather than something synthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's the same reason why on a nice day, we just naturally want to go outside and be near a lake, a stream, trees, wind, want to be out with nature. That's mm-hmm. subconscious. That's because throughout the entire human existence, you know, before uh, the, you know, before the age of technology, before, you know, the age of machines for thousands of years, we were, um, we were dwellers, you know, we were out in nature. Right. And so it's still embedded in us. Similar, for example, if you have an animal and they have animalistic instincts, you can take, for example, my hamster, who really has never been around other hamsters his entire life, still has that same innate, right, hamster instinct to stuff food in its mouth and store it. And if when it's getting out, you know, because it always escapes and shit, and to store seven days worth of food so that, you know, like all these like hidden instincts that we have, right? you know, even though we're getting separated from them, they're still in the back of our brain. So as long as we don't lose that, you know, as long as there's a, a subculture and a counterculture that's important but the issue is is that the counterculture is being erased you know right. it's being eliminated and whitewashed that's the and, scary part and that's that's so true and like for me i crave being outside all of the time and you know like if it's a day where it's like rainy and and nasty or whatever i still go outside Because I just have to be outdoors. I cannot stand sitting in the house all the time. And let's think about that. So one of the main things about COVID is that we were stuck in our houses. We didn't get natural vitamin D. And that's like the main thing, you know, to help boost your immune system and to fight off disease. Right. You know, nobody pushed that. And I found that to be, it, it was interesting is that the people that, went about their day normally, you know, exposed themselves to certain bacteria, exposed mm-hmm. themselves to certain pathogens, um, got a lot of sunlight, you know, behaved normally, didn't wear a mask where you're breathing in your own fucking garbage for eight hours a day. It seemed like they either never got the disease or were able to fight it off much better. I, I swear, right. 100%. everybody I knew, everybody I knew that was very scared about this disease about this a virus got the virus all of them right fear breaks down your immune system sure panic stress all these things break down your immune system i didn't change i know you didn't either because i spent a lot of time with you we didn't (laughs) fucking change a A thing thing. (laughs) yeah and and you know it's so funny because that what you said is 100 percent correct that you know, especially for the people talking earlier about depression and anxiety and, you know, worry and worry about, you know, whatever people think of them and, and the world's perception of, you know, what they say or do or whatever. Those are the people that are sick most of the time. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it leads to gut issues. Yes. You know, because your brain and your gut are, you know, connected 
the the whole biome there. And so anytime people release all those chemicals through stress and anxiety and all of that stuff, you're hurting your gut. And so that's why people are like, you know, indigestion or stomach pain or, you know, the poops all the time or, or whatever, or just feel like there's a huge knot in their stomach. If that's what it's from. I'm so glad you mentioned that because my whole deal with having Crohn's is that brain gut connection mm-hmm. is that microbiome. Right. Um, bacteria isn't always a bad thing. There's healthy flora and healthy bacteria in your, like billions of cultures of, of healthy bacteria within your right. gut. Um, but the main thing is that they're interlinked. Like the mm-hmm. brain, like a lot of depression comes from your gut and a lot of your gut pain comes from your mind. Right. So it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? That's why the whole idea of cleansing your mind, body, and soul, like those three phases, is so important. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always stress getting rid of negativity the same way you would get rid of like a bad dietary habit. Like if you want to get rid of refined sugars, well, right. I have people in my life that they are equivalent of a refined sugar, where it's like, <laughs> yo, you are fucking true, toxic <laughs> on my. You are, you are a fucking. Honey bun. Heavily, heavily processed. Yeah. You're a you honey bun been, for my they, brain. No, they've been in the vending machine for a really long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Like flies won't even <laughs> land on you because you're so artificial and processed. Like they don't even want to, you know, bother with you. But, but you but, know, using that um that same analogy with the with the gut and the brain, that is so much a part of the music industry. Yeah. These days where um most of the musicians that that you hear of that die or even Hollywood for that matter um it's about depression and you know whatever and there's lots of drugs and they have all these problems and you know it's kind of the same thing it's like a very unhealthy cycle. Yes, it is. And that's why, because I'm in it every weekend and I have to be very conscious of it. And because I see a lot of people, mm-hmm. even in our community, that died in early age. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some die because of, I, I, like, seriously, like, I mean, you're dying in your early 50s of cancer and, and, and this, that, and the other. And then you have some others that die because of uh, drug abuse. You have others that die because of, you know, drinking and, and, uh, right. and suicide. It's because- it's because of that instant gratification society yeah. that we live in where, you know, you have access to drugs or alcohol to, quote, make yourself feel better mm-hmm. when you're depressed, which is the worst thing that you can do because it compounds your problem. The other thing with music in general, and this will even if you're not, you know, don't go see live music or perform. Um a lot of times you're in a low frequency environment. So mm-hmm. generally uh, bars, like like b- late night bars, um, is a low frequency environment. What I mean by that is um, you're drinking alcohol, which is lowering your vibrational frequency mm-hmm. as it is. That's, you know, you get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fights, a lot of arguments. They always happen right. after midnight. I mean, because right. I see them all the time. The music you're listening to, and I contribute to it sometimes, is low vibrational. Even mm-hmm. though it may seem like, you know, it's happy and uplifting and you're dancing, it's very repetitious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, uh, you know, almost similar to where like a hypnosis where it, it's putting you in a trance-like state. Uh, 
And so even simple things like this, like uh, the frequency of the music that's being played is dissonant, mm -hmm. usually. Right. Um, I tune my guitars to different frequencies than the standard tuning because um, right. the standard tuning that's used for music is actually a dissonant tone. Like, for example, like, you know, when mm -hmm. you're turning the dials on a radio, you have certain frequencies that pick up stations. And then in between, you have that white noise. That, <laughs> right? That you know chalkboard noise. That chalkboard noise, right. <laughs> well, our instruments, the universal standard tuning instrument is somewhere in that white noise. And you're not hearing it, but subconsciously you are. Mm -hmm. And when you're around that a lot, the way I am, if you're not conscious of it, you end up in that low vibrational cycle, which is why I feel like a lot of people in music die much earlier than, than most people. The mm -hmm. other thing is musicians in general and artists, this is just anybody that's artistic or anybody um, really that's empath you know, empathetic, but they kind of go hand in hand. Artistic, they're, they're very prone to stress. You know, like when you have right. a performance, you want it to be perfect. You want it to sound perfect. Uh, uh, you, oftentimes you're very depressed. You think you're not good enough and, and you need validation. You're constantly. very judgmental of yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you're all those kind of go hand worst in worst enemy. And that's, and I think you're onto something there is not just, not just the repetition of the hurts and the music that they, they play, but the, you know, the drugs, the alcohol leads to mood issues and, Oh, why can't I get this right? And, mm -hmm. You know, like, it's oh, all I symbiotic. Chord, and everybody yeah. in the show must have heard that I messed up that one chord. Right. Which 99.9% .9 of the time, they don't hear nobody it. Nobody caught. Yeah. They don't hear it. And it's, it's just like anybody that's planned any kind of event, even a wedding. I, I know a lot of people have been involved in weddings. M imagine the stress of planning your wedding or being involved in a wedding, any facet of it, whether it's, you know, whether you're part of uh, the catering, whether you're part of the entertainment, whether you're in the wedding, all the stress that comes around that. Imagine being in that environment two to three times a week and, yeah, and no. what, what that can do to you unless you learn how to control it. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's so important because it's just like with Free Guy. When I, when I go on stage, I'm aware of what environment I'm in. I'm aware of all the contributing factors to lowering my vibrational frequency. And I try my best to not allow it to, to get in. Sometimes mm -hmm. it does, but you know, I think it's important when we're in those types of situations to set, step back and say, I'm in a low vibrational situation right now. You know, how can I maintain? Right. And you know, um, for people that, that don't know us, Bob and I actually met in the music scene because yep. uh, my husband and I used to go out literally like five nights a week. Um, and I mean, you guys had music. your own, you guys had your own corner at the club. I played at to where like, yeah. we were thinking about putting like a plaque, a plaque, you know, there, like, that's how much like y'all were staples. <laughs> you kept the lights on that place for about two years. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And you know, it's so funny because, uh, being out of that environment now and out of that scene now, um, life is so much easier and like mm -hmm. stress-free and drama-free because you don't have all of those, you know, influences. And, and for me, it was the people, the yes. influences of the people. And, you know, uh, constantly they were attracted to my energy. And then it was like, uh, 
you know, almost like I had just this dark cloud following me around and I'm the light beam in the middle and all these well, people. I want to hit on that. I want to hit on that because the people that don't know this real don't realize that Janet was like, you were like the mother and the counselor and the advisor <laughs> to everybody. And everybody it's amazing. Me mom. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> how people who had problems were drawn to you. You know, like to where you even took them into your house and rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. You rehabilitated a lot of people in in a very short period of time, which I, I thought was interesting. But also, that's very taxing on you. And yeah. so, I, and I guarantee there's times in which you're like, why am I doing this? I am guarantee there's times in which, you're, you know, your hubby was like, man, why are we doing this? And, and let's think about where you are now. You're completely mm-hmm. Uh, detached from that lifestyle right. you've you've moved to to out to the country out of the city mm-hmm. um a, a much slower down pace and you've limited from what i've heard your intake of alcohol right and you know yeah so yeah. your lifestyle has changed completely so what what did you know what, is, what was some of the good bad and the ugly about being that like protector and that captain save a hoe kind of thing um, it was exhausting it really was because even uh like people i didn't know would just come up and just randomly spill like their everything that was going on in their life. And so, uh, like you were saying earlier, like being aware of your surroundings and like me having to protect myself constantly from their negative energy and their, uh, need for me to feel the way that they feel. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was a huge thing. And then, coming out of that situation it's so peaceful yes i mean there were there were people you know that that we did help that we you know moved into our house and and whatever um like you said and it, for me it was like a calling there mm-hmm. was something that i had to do there was you know I know a lot of people don't believe in god but i do and it was something that i got a message you have to do this. This is your person that you have to help. And so, you know, we did. Yeah. And, you know, like the people calling us, you know, mom and dad all the time, that was sweet and it was very endearing and whatnot. But being in that role, um, it's like you have a lot of really bad children. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, is like I started noticing and I kind of have the same qualities is that the people that harvest negative energy, they need a, a release point. Right. Right. So right. they they attach themselves to people like me and you and they yeah. release their negativity and then you harness it. Right. Right. And so, you have to get rid of that. Yeah. And I will collect negative energy from other people and I'll, t- you know, take, you know, take a load off Fanny and put the load right on me. I mean, that's literally <laughs> right. What perfect we were doing song for that. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's a perfect line, you know, so we put the load on us and that manifests itself back pain, gut pain, because you feel right. like you're placing the headache, the weight of the headache, fatigue. all of these things. Fatigue, yeah. yeah, it's it's just like being I'm, I'm serious. It's just like letting a demon in. It's very well, similar. And that's why um, I called the episode Rock Plague because this is exactly the kind of um, things that you pick up. And it is like a sickness. You know, uh, people have very sick 
energy mm-hmm. that they that they have to displace onto other people and that goes with everything uh with communication or um like you were saying earlier with um musicians and they're picking up the energy from everybody in the audience or comedians that they're picking up that negative energy because other people, their energy is so sick. They don't want you to be funny. They don't want you to be successful. And it, it, it is, it's like a, it's like a sore that just festers. Yeah. Pusses and bubbles up to the surface. (laughs) Sorry, that was graphic, but no. But I mean, I mean, that's that's li- that's the literal definition of what's going on to your soul. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a an abscess that's forming in your soul, and eventually something. You know, it releases itself in the form of panic attacks. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of like you know, if you have panic attacks, you need to start thinking about who you're surrounding yourself with and what you're doing that's causing these panic attacks. And what are you doing to release this energy and what are you doing to avoid that stuff? You know, so um, I've I've gotten much better at uh, controlling my environment and controlling who I let in. Right. That's really all it is, is learning how to say no to certain things. And you have to. So let me let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, In the music industry, where do you think or do you have a guess as to where um like the poison seeped in from because we all we all know or or a lot of people know anyway about you know the the things that happened in laurel canyon and you know there's controversy surrounding the beatles and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but when do you think that started massive scale yeah um i think there's always been that element i think for you know even dating back to ancient times they understand the power of music and the ability to you know to use it for harm or good especially with like you're saying with the hertz with the frequencies but i look back to the old proverbial robert johnson selling his soul at the crossroads for fame and i know that's folklore but that was the first instance in which we had the tale of selling your soul for fame the whole folklore behind robert johnson is he was this blues player and the the story was that he went away. He wasn't a very good player. Went away for a period of time, came back, and he was this brilliant songwriter and guitar player. And they asked him where he got it from. He said he sold his soul at the crossroads. And he speaks about the devil, you know, taking a hold of him in his songwriting. That kind of stuff in blues and jazz manifested itself. And then the biggest, um, I would say, super spreader of it was Elvis Presley. He was the first big, big time uh, international rock star. It, 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 you know, we always talked about those satanic panic moms that were like, "Oh, those hip gyrations are the devil," but there's <laughs> some, there's some truth to that. Not just the hip gyrating, but everything that goes along with it. We that right. was the first time we had celebrity worship. He was right. the first example of a big celebrity. And death. people still do. People, yeah. So we talk about that slow drip, right, to where we mm-hmm. are now, where we have Nas X getting sodomized by the devil in a music video. Right. It had to start somewhere. Did it start with the hip gyrations? And then, you know, when we got a little bit further advanced, you know, into like disco became a little bit more sexualized. And it, why, even with, you know, Led Zeppelin and the Beatles, it became extremely sexualized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. You know, even worse when we got to the '80s, it became cocaine culture and, and a lot of drag hair band era. <laughs> yeah, but it was a slow drip, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And I think you're, you're definitely onto something there because, you know, talking about, uh, sick energy and, and demonic forces and, and things like that, they want to have you, you know, do things that are quote pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the hip gyration and, and all of that stuff. And then the progression through that, because used to be the music was gospel. It was right. all gospel. It was about, you know, God and Jesus and, right. you know, whatever and, and stuff like that. And so it, it did, it changed. And I can only imagine like from the point that we are right now with Nasix and all of that stuff, where do you see us in the future? Um, just like a demon that's slowly approaching, you're seeing the references get more and more literal in music videos and, and, you know, even when you watch live performances, uh, you know, with with not just the frequencies, but the mm -hmm. it's very dark. Just go watch the Grammys. It was a very dark, you know, low vibrational type mm -hmm. event. The Travis Scott concert where there's portals opening up. I think we're at the point where we're almost through the portals. Um, I think in the future, it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be a recycle back to the like you were saying, the gospel kind of stuff, or it's going to get so bad that we're going to forget what it was beforehand. Because I really think that's what the ultimate goal is, right. is to get millions and millions of young kids away from really like the new before the big push was, you know, the the strength of the nuclear family. And now what we're having is kids worshiping pop culture instead of worshiping their mother and their father. Or, that's or the battle. worshiping. Um teachers at school that are talking about their uh naughty sex life all that stuff home. so that's that's become the new idolistic thing to do for for children in in schools now and a lot of parents don't see it that way but it is because your child is so impressionable and their and their minds are so shapeable especially at the really young age you know when you have a teacher that's talking about their sex life and stuff and telling you about that. How many kids growing up wanted to be like their teacher? Right. Yeah. I mean, no, that that's exactly right. So really anybody that's in a position of authority other than your parents, remember what just Justin Trudeau told mm -hmm. the parents to leave the room so he could speak directly to the kids. Yeah. That should have been the number one Over sign. Over my dead body. <laughs> that that homie ain't right. But it's the same thing with music, you know, like, okay, one of the big things I did in high school was I went against my mother's orders and I snuck out and I went to a rock show when I was 16. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's kind of like that balance between respecting your mother and respecting pop culture. I just watched a children's show uh, with my girlfriend's nephews. It was called like Turning Red or something. I think that's what it was called, like Turning Red. It was about this kid who had this like inner like red panda beast like character that, that would come out. And it was a. So I think she was Japanese or Chinese. I don't remember which one, but she had she was battling between the traditional Chinese, which was her mother and her grandmother, and they saw that this demon was coming out. So they were trying to tell her, listen, we know how to channel it. This has been in our family for a long time. And they even had like this ritual where they put her in a circle and like did this like chanting thing to, to, to extract the demon out of her like an exorcism. But she was battling between the traditional side and the pop culture side, because the pop culture side said, hey, keep that demon in you. And the whole plot of the this Turning Red movie was her making money 
so that she could go see this pop band kind of like in sync play at a concert. And the mom didn't want her to go, but she wanted to go. So she kept the demon. Not only did she keep this demon, but she profited off of it. Like she would use it kind of like Teen Wolf. I don't know if you've ever seen Teen Wolf, but it was kind of mm-hmm. like that. She was in high school and everybody's like, oh, you're cool. You can turn into a red panda. And she was making money off it so she could go to the concert, right? So it was mm-hmm. a battle between her mother and pop culture. And at the end, pop culture won, you know? And and the do, mother gave in to the demon and to the, the pop culture. Do you see a lot of that in music? 100%. I mean, if realistically, let's think about this. Lil Nas X's first song was innocent enough. Want to take my horse to the old town road? Gonna ride till I can't no more. Whatever. I mean, it talks about cheating on my baby, but that's what all country music is anyway. Innocent enough, he was going to grade schools, singing it. Kids as young as seven and eight, singing the lyrics. Everybody was like, oh, he's so great. He's an ambassador for kids. And then just went, 180, went dark. And he released it. Humping the devil now. Pumping the devil, releasing a 666 shoe, like videos of him, like pregnant man. And now that you've riled in hundreds, you kids. Know, hundreds mm-hmm. of millions of kids, then you turn dark, you know, then you turn, uh, you know, you become part of the cabal and start doing all the cabal stuff. It's so common. It happened with Miley Cyrus when she was Hannah Montana. Right. And then she came in like a wrecking ball and looked like a whore, you know, right. for God knows how long. It's just the it's the cycle of of pop music. Um, Justin Bieber. I mean, you you name it. You know, you name it. Well, and even um, even like on a local level where we live, um, I think it's very easily seen. And don't you're not going to get offended, but um, other musicians in our area may get offended when I say this. But um, it's like a giant swap fest. Yes. And yes. so like the the musicians will, you know, do this group of females or whatever and that group of females will in turn go and do another whole band or whatever yep. and people are sneaking out during the show and you know, blow jobs in the parking lot and stuff yes. like that. And yes. it's it's so, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's somebody we know very well. It's so, um, like, perverse. Yes. In the, in the music scene, and this is on a small level, that it's hard to me to fathom, like, what it would be on a large scale. Times a million. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to reverse in our town, is that I want to get rid of that image. Because, like, as soon as people... Like, people have this notion, musician, oh, you're into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, that's what they always go to. I can mm-hmm. always tell when people are trying to, like, relate to me through sex, drugs. And I'm like, no, I don't want shots on the stage. I don't want you to offer me a fucking blowjob out of the back. Like, you know, my girlfriend's sitting right there. Like, right. you know, I've had a steady girlfriend who I haven't cheated on. Like, I don't drink on stage. Like, you know, my last gig, this isn't, like, lifting myself. I'm just trying to say how, like, I'm trying to change the image. There was a girl that was at uh, St. Jude. Uh, who liked our band and I was talking to her on the set break. We let her come up on stage. Like that's the kind of image I'm trying to get because after teaching kids how to play music, part of me is like, what world am I releasing them into? 
Right. Like, I mean, think about it, because two of the kids that I taught ended up heavily involved in drugs in the music scene. One Mm -hmm. very heavy, deep, dark drugs that I had to talk to. And what kind of image am I setting? You know, like, and I, I, I think that's really important. But, you know, it's a like I was saying, it's just going back to it. It's a low energy uh, type situation unless you recreate it, which is why when I was talking about my band, Basket Case, I had a band meeting with my guys and I said, we have to create a positive environment. Mm-hmm. If somebody is a cancer on our environment, we remove them. I've had to remove three or four people from our shows and tell security guards not to let them in because I can recognize this one person has the ability to destroy the health Everything. Of, of our ecosystem. Right. You know? So I think that's important, but I just, it's, I don't think it gets brought up enough. I don't think a lot of musicians care. I think some musicians like to feed into that stereotype. Oh, you know? Yeah. Even a, if it's not, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. I mean, because we were friends with, you know, so many band people, but there are some that is like, they have steady girlfriends. But yeah, they're knocking boots with somebody in the kitchen of the place that you're playing yes. at, or whatever. And then you, you know? get involved in their triangle, like, "Hey, man, will you tell my wife that I was here?" And I'm like, "No, dude, like, I'm yeah. not telling her shit." Yeah. Like, no. Can you not tell my wife that my girlfriend was at the show? Like, no, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're an idiot. And it's it's funny that you know thinking about like how grand scale it has to be, um, because. You know, like the whole issue with the Foo Fighters, yeah. Um, that's come up, and I and I thought it was funny because, you know, initially Dave Grohl comes out and he's like, "Oh, I like got massive hearing loss and I can't hear, and I have to lip read all the time, and you know, whatever." And that was a big front page news story for, you know, like a week, and then his drummer dies yes yeah i mean not only does his drummer die his drummer dies right when they release a movie called 666 studio Mm -hmm. which is about going into a haunted mansion and recording an album and summoning the devil who systematically kills every member of the band and the big promotional uh the big promotional video that they would show is this two minute clip of the drummer who's now dead uh playing drums and he finishes the song he's like all right dave i'm i'm done with the song and then dave turns into this demon and says yeah you are and he picks up a cymbal and decapitates the drummer with the cymbal they also recorded their last album which is called medicine at midnight in a quote-unquote haunted mansion in laurel canyon so they wrote the the movie yeah about their last album this mansion in laurel canyon is very famous Red Hot Chili Peppers recorded Blood Sugar Sex Magic, okay, mm-hmm. with Rick Rubin. A lot of this dark ritualistic magic happens at this mansion. There was a whole book about, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, weird uh, scenes inside of Laurel Canyon, which mm-hmm. was about the Vietnam hippie movement, Jim Morrison, Mamas and the Papas, mm-hmm. all coming out of this small area. And it was the same thing about recording in these, these Aleister Crowley uh alchemy black magic kind of ritualistic mansions and creating this art you know Mm -hmm. so all of this is happening and then 
the drummer dies in Colombia of like heroin and all this other shit. Like, I just, I don't buy the story that that's well, coming out. And here's, here's the thing. It's so interesting about, you know, Taylor's death is that they were getting ready to have a big show there. You know, they're supposed to play like the next day or something like that. Anyway, initial reports were that, um, there was a call that came in for a person at this place with massive chest pain. Okay. And so he dies of cardiac collapse. And then the authorities come and it's like, well, there was a, well, we don't know what it is, but there was a white powder substance and there was a can of Coke and, you know, like Coca-Cola Coke. Uh, mm-hmm and whatever and then you'd read another thing and it would be like he had 15 different drugs in his system and blah 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 but the thing that caught my attention the most okay he died of cardiac collapse um was one of the things but they had mandated for their shows that people had to be jabbed bb'd yeah mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that, of course, cardiac collapse is like one, like the leading cause of death from that. And I thought that was like super ironic. And then the like fact checkers instantly jump on that and tell you that that's, that's fake. He couldn't have died from the vaccination. It had to be, it had to be fake. Right. And it's the same thing with a lot of, yeah. If they tell you that it's, it's fake and we fact-checked it, it's true. Sure, sure. I mean, this guy, listen, I'm telling you, uh, this guy was not doing lethal doses of heroin. He looked like he was in, it's the same thing with all these, uh, you know, a lot of these other, Kurt once Cobain. you reach a certain, yeah, well, that's the big one. But, you know, even two years ago, when you were on No Mercy and we did the COVID death draft, mm-hmm. I drafted Dave Grohl because mm-hmm. I said, I claimed that Dave Grohl was the one that was responsible for Kurt Cobain's death. Maybe Courtney Love had involvement, but who had the most to gain, mm-hmm. you know, from Kurt Cobain being dead? And, so and explain painful. that to people that that aren't musical in nature. Sure. Explain so, why uh, you think that. Dave Grohl is the drummer of Nirvana, uh, one of the most famous bands of the 90s. All this shit came out of Seattle in a very short period of time, and and, and uh, Kurt Cobain was like, the really Nirvana was the Beatles of this movement and Kurt Cobain was the John Lennon. Okay. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Dave Grohl's writing all these songs, you know, and he's got his own stuff going on. And, and, um, you know, I'm not saying he was overshadowed by Kurt Cobain, but it was a lot of this Tanya Harding, Nancy, Nancy Kerrigan shit where right. t- Nancy Kerrigan's getting all the, the, the accolades and she's number one and Tanya Harding's number two. So Tanya Harding takes a club to Nancy Kerrigan. If you, rewind back to the early 90s and you had told me Foo Fighters would still be relevant in 22, I would say you're crazy. They weren't even in the radar as far as best bands of the early to mid 90s. Right. Yet, they've maintained a level of fame for 20 years. And we always talk about in the music industry the proverbial sell your soul to the devil. Now, whether you literal do that or whether you're just operating in black magic where there's always some, you know, 
whether you believe in karma or whatever, when you start operating on this lower magic, bad things happen around you. Whether mm-hmm. you call it a ritual sacrifice or whether you just call it, you know, just bad karma, stuff happens around you and you have to feed the beast in order to stay relevant. There isn't a single person in the music industry that stays relevant for decades without owing without, somebody. Yeah. Something. Yeah. You know, 100%. You look at Dave Grohl. And if you look at his history in Foo Fighters, by the way, Foo Fighters doesn't mean throwing food. Foo Fighters was the name given uh, to, in World War II, um, given by the Allied forces when they were identifying UFO aircrafts. So that they called the, the alien or the UFO unidentified flying objects in World War II, they called them Foo Fighters. So that's where the name itself came from. And then you look at some of the roles that Dave Grohl's played. So, for example, in The Pick of Destiny, which is a really good movie, by the way, with Jack Black, which is all about finding this magical guitar pick and selling your soul to the devil because mm-hmm. you have writer's block and you want to write that perfect song, but you got to defeat the devil. Guess who played the fucking devil? Dave Grohl played the devil. Okay. There's a surprise. <laughs> he played drums in Queens of the Stone Age. And if you go look at a lot of the album art in Queens of the Stone Age, very it's a very satanic Luciferian band. They even had a side project, uh, Foo Fighters did, um, where they did a live concert of a lot of Bee Gees uh, songs, and they called themselves the, the Dee Gees or something like that. The name of the album is called Hail Satin, which is you know kind of a... Uh, um, you know, joking with Hail Satan. Right. Um, in the movie, there was a fictitious band, similar in nature, demonic symbolism. So my point being is, like, all of these coincidences, like, if you take them separately, don't really make sense. But when you line them up, like, why is this movie called 666 Studio? You could have called it anything, but you decided to have a plot. Okay, go. Yeah, I think they're trying to silence us. <laughs> All right, so let's pick up where we left off. So basically, why they could have called this movie anything. They call it 666 Studio, you know? And um, like you're saying, it's about going into this haunted mansion where you have to summon the devil. Like, why have this theme everywhere? I don't right. understand why you have to have this theme. Right. You know, clean-cut Dave Grohl guy moves out of Nirvana and then starts all this like you know, this satanic Luciferian style shit, you know, creates a movie about killing his band members, you know, for this album for inspiration, and then the drummer ends up dead. It's right weird. Yeah, you don't have to look far to see it now. Well, and not to mention, um, being in Laurel Canyon and Laurel Canyon for a lot of people that don't know. Um, a lot of CIA ties, a lot of ties to the MK Ultra program, you know, the whole mind control issue and all of that stuff, which a lot of musicians came out of that particular area and were tied to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, military CIA operations and, and the like. So, you know. <laughs> them recording there and naming their albums this and then all of a sudden someone dies it's mm. unreal i mean it, it fits the narrative perfectly yeah, right absolutely I mean, how many times have we talked about you know important prominent figures that have had people close to them you know pass away unsuspectingly right you know absolutely 
the big one for me, you know, and I mentioned Red Hot Chili Peppers because it, it's the same story. They named their album Blood Sugar Sex Magic, mm-hmm. and they're they're you know, Sex Magic is one of those Aleister Crowley and magic right. rituals. Hundred percent. They recorded that album in that same hotel, and and by the way, both bands, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters, reported like mysterious sightings. Um, mm-hmm. they. When Foo Fires were recording, they were saying that they would come into the studio and certain tracks would be missing and other audio tracks would mysteriously pop up with white noise. You know, this was stuff that, oh, they had to sign a non-disclosure agreement when they left that they wouldn't talk about all the stuff that happened inside of the map. When I've never been in a studio in my entire life where you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement from the person that owns the property. That is a little fucked up all on its own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if the music industry is a strange place. I will not the demonic rituals that we experienced. <laughs> I will exactly. not share that with my friends. Yeah, that's a, that's a little messed up. Yeah. But it's so, it's so strange, though. And I think um, for a lot of people that, that have never looked into like the music conspiracies and, you know, uh, conspiracies behind certain bands and and stuff like the Beatles, I I think they'll be shocked if they start digging into things like that. Sure. I mean, even if you don't understand it, you think it's crazy, just think about it like this. Okay, so in sports, you want to get an edge, right? So what do a lot of people get in trouble with? Steroids, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, there may have come a day where it's I say, hey, you know, like, let's say 50 years ago, I say, hey, that guy's taking something that's making him bigger and stronger and faster. And you might say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, it's out now that that people right. take steroids. I mean, even with the black sock scandal, you know, they, they always take some type of way to get them, give them an edge or to self-sabotage for money. One, one or the other. It's either right. they're, they're taking money to take a dive or they're pumping themselves full of whatever to make themselves perform better well in music steroids don't help but if i told you that there was something that could give you a spiritual edge a metaphysical edge you're experiencing writer's block and you need something that can stimulate your mind that's why a lot of musicians turn towards drugs but what if i could do something that's better than that you know what if i had like a limitless pill that made your creativity that much better than the person next to you Every single musician that's on the cusp of, of becoming great would take it. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we're dealing with here. And and I think a lot of that, too, is, again, like, people's need to be validated by everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I and, you know, I, I'm not good enough as the musician that I am. I have to get better so that more people will like me. And that more people will listen to me. Whereas if you approach, you know, whether it's music or, or your career and something else or, or whatever the case may be, if you approach it in the aspect that I'm doing this because it's for me and it makes me happy. Yeah. That's what should matter. But it right. doesn't. It doesn't to so many people. Yeah, yeah, and that's really what it is. So we're talking about highly competitive people. So in sports, you want to be the best of the best. In order to do that, you see in every sport, you're taking something that's going to give you just that little bit of edge because even that tiny percentage is the difference between you winning and losing. You know, it's a game of inches. 
in music, it's the same way. You know, mm-hmm. you want to get an edge over the other group or the other artist. You're starving for that gig. You want the gig. You want right. The, you want the album to inspire millions and millions of people. You want to put forth your best art. If there's something that will do that, if if I heard a band goes to this mansion and they perform this, that, and the other, and they spit out blood, sugar, sex, magic when the albums before sucked, all of a sudden this beautiful art came out. I'm in, man. Sign me up. I want to. You know, go to this mansion. I want to this particular producer. I'm gonna listen to him if he wants me to sacrifice a goat in the in a pentagram or whatever. <laughs> if that'll help me write, you know, uh, under the bridge, then I'll do it. <laughs> so you're not saying that you personally are gonna pack up and go to this mansion, though, right? No, not personally, but <laughs> there's a I, the, the the hypothetical there are a is lot there. Of people that we know that would definitely in a heartbeat go do that. Yeah. Well, how many people pack up their shit and move to L.A. or Nashville? Right. You know, with with ambitions of the big screen, yeah. silver screen quotations. You know, kind of like uh, you know my friend Matt that used to be the co-host of the podcast and you know as soon as we graduated high school that's what he did he moved to la in the music scene right band scene and i'm sure he he, i'm sure he learned a lot of harsh realities about that business too (laughs) in the hard way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think a lot of people do so you know but it's personal choice though what are you what are you willing to give up or sacrifice or do to be quote famous. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of people make the choice not to feed the beast. Um, you'll see people that are on the cusp of being famous and then they disappear and you're like, where did they go? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and then you see them in like some small role, like 10 years down or like, you know, maybe the band only put out one album and then they got dropped by the recording label or, you know, they only had that one hit. You know, mm-hmm. and then maybe they never signed the, that bloody contract. Um, the, the number one example I have is, is Dave, Dave Chappelle when he was on Comedy Central and then they offered him tens of millions of dollars and he just disappeared. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went away like he completely went away, like to Africa, supposedly. And, you know, you know, he turned down millions and millions of dollars. Other weird thing is when he came back, he looked like a completely different person. Like mm-hmm. even his physical transformation was 100 percent right. different. Very, very strange. What the Dave Chappelle uh, situation? I think. So, what do you, what do you think? Uh, do you think it's the same person? Um, man, you know, he either did like a carrot top thing where like he went and just beefed up during the off season, you know, and he was taking some shit. Or uh, sure, I mean, they could have fucked with some cloning. I mean. I, I think if, if if there's money to be made, let's say Dave Chappelle drops off the face of the earth and you can make Dave Chappelle part two and make millions of dollars off of it, I think you would do it. Imagine the big conspiracy about the Beatles is that Paul McCartney died in a car crash, mm-hmm. right? And that they replaced him with a Paul McCartney lookalike that looked and acted and sounded like him, which is part of the reason why they didn't tour anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's what they were thinking, like, we're not touring with this guy anymore, but we're going to spit out albums. And a lot of people think that they hid stuff in the lyrics and in the imagery. Um, for example, like in uh, if you look at Abbey Road, uh, I think it's Paul McCartney is the only one not wearing shoes, which is a sign of somehow of like passing over to the other side. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Pepper album cover. They think the imagery is like of Paul's funeral. 
I don't know, but this is not like this is not like a fringe belief. This was believed by millions of people in Great Britain, like big Beatles fans that thought Paul McCartney died and they replaced him. Part of the reason is is because there's millions and millions of dollars to be made off the continuation of the Beatles. Now, a lot of 100%. people think a lot of people think the same thing happened to Michael Jackson that when he became that burn victim, you know, that right. they needed to make they needed to continue Michael Jackson even though he was severely burned, mm-hmm. you know, which is weird because Michael Jackson was one of the first people that wore a mask out in public, you know, mm-hmm. and he was the first person to really like wear those masks. I always thought that was strange that that Michael Jackson would wear masks like that out in public. Like, what are they trying to hide? You know, like so, it's it's strange and interesting industry. But but the bottom line is, if you follow the money, if there's money to be made, there's some type of corruption, manipulation, you know, involved. I figured out just now why he was wearing a mask out in public. Why's that? It's because when his nose fell off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's something holding his nose up. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh, People so are funny. like, "What are you even talking about?" Yeah, it's a whole thing. Anyway. Oh, you should hear Michael Jackson talk about the industry and about. Oh yeah. How he was saying people are coming to kill him. Tupac Shakur says people are coming to kill him. But here's the thing about it, and this goes back to Elvis, and we were talking about how stuff used to be gospel music. What happened to Elvis towards the tail end of his career? He started singing gospel. Right. He turned to God. Right. And then either he either died, or he paid somebody to fake his death. Because there there are people that are saying he's a preacher out in like rural Midwest. So he either died a celebrity's death or he's some preacher out in the middle of nowhere. You want to know something really funny about that? What's that? My uncle looks exactly like Elvis. Yeah, maybe your uncle is Elvis. <laughs> yeah, he lives in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Please tell me you're a, you're a descendant of Elvis Presley. Not that I'm aware of, but you never know. I would, <laughs> however, eat a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Oh, I would too. Man. I would try that. that. Yeah. I've you know, used to fly. Used to fly a private jet to this one restaurant that served that one dish that he liked. Like he would fly just for that meal and then mm-hmm. fly back. Imagine having that luxury. Yeah. Well, that would be um, really nice. I could fly to Indiana and eat at my favorite uh, taco place. <laughs> exactly. But the moral of the story, you know, and it's just a, this isn't just a music. Whenever you see anybody of prominence start turning towards good, right? That's that's when they either disappear or get taken out. Right. Malcolm X. Let's mm-hmm. think about that. Remember when Malcolm X started preaching peace, right? And then they were like, you know, right. yeah, we no longer need you. It's when they start turning towards the good, they either disappear or mm-hmm. get disappeared. Yeah, yeah, they don't like that. They they want to keep everybody with that. Uh, dark, perverted energy. Yeah, yeah like I discussed some um, stuff. Discussed on No Mercy about Tupac Shakur. I mean, he was gang banging and stuff, doing drugs and drinking, and then he started making that turn towards having more responsibility as a hip hop artist. And then, you know, he gets shot. Then he gets a rape charge pinned on him. And like mm-hmm. while he was in jail, he was saying that people were trying to kill him. He wrote an album basically predicting his own death. Right. And then wrote an album about the Illuminati right. and the Machiavellian principle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's in the lyrics. The truth is in the lyrics a lot of times. Well, and and look at, like, Kanye when he started talking about, you know, God and 
like all the evil stuff that was going on and whatnot. And then all of a sudden he's having a mental breakdown right. and we have to commit him to a facility. Yeah. That you was know. a famous breakdown. If, if you guys haven't seen that video where he's mm-hmm. at a live concert, one of the things that he's saying, he's like, I'm on my Trump shit right now. I'm mm-hmm. on my Trump shit. He starts calling out people in hip hop. Like Jay Z, talk to me. This, mm-hmm. uh, I know you got killers out there. Come talk to me. Basically saying that like these, Hip-hop artists have hit men. Right. You know, they have people doing killing for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look at, um, oh, what the heck was that guy's name? Um, Mo, uh, oh, shoot. He was the record executive uh, that was with Biggie. Uh, was it Suge Knight? Suge Knight. That's yeah. what it was. Suge Knight. And then you had P. Diddy. Yeah, and like how just violent and... Yeah. You know, whatever that guy was, I can only imagine. And there's another one that was rivaling Suge Knight that people need to research. Quincy Jones. Uh, Quincy Jones is the one. He they're the, always handlers that are working above these artists. I mean, mm-hmm. Quincy Jones is tied to Will Smith. He's tied to Tupac Shakur. Uh, I mean, he is closely tied with P Diddy. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, P Diddy's adopted son is named Quincy after Quincy Jones, his godfather. So Quincy Jones is responsible for anybody that's popular in hip-hop. He founded Vibe Magazine, which was like the Rolling Stones of hip-hop. Before the mm-hmm. internet, if you're on Vibe Magazine, it's like being right. made it's a big in the deal. mafia. Yeah. yeah. And he started that. So he controlled who the public saw. You know, mm-hmm. So Quincy Jones, similarly to Suge Knight, you know, was a handler in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you really got to look to those guys, like the Shook Knights, Quincy Jones, Russell Simmons, P. Diddy's, even now like the Jay-Z's, the, uh, and even uh, Dr. Dre's, you know, the ones that were musicians turned, uh, you mm-hmm. know, producers. Like the producers are the ones that control the flow. Right. Very interesting stuff. There's a lot of things for people to uh, research and investigate and, uh, yeah. Never know. They might start their own shows coming up. But space is fake and gay. It always will be. DM me <laughs> for a shirt. Yay. I've got about so, 50 left. Where can they get a hold of you at? Uh, you can uh, get a hold of me at Bob's Lessons, B-O-B-S-L-E-S-S-O-N-S on Instagram or Twitter. Just send me a DM. Say, hey, I want this size. I want this amount. Here's my address. Here's $25. I'll ship it to you. And then uh, you can sport it, you can tag me in it, and I'll share it, and you'll look cool in front of all your friends. So your your social media is the same on Instagram and Twitter? Yes. And where can they find your podcast at? Uh, not on Apple right now. So, <laughs> so Spotify, uh, QTN uh, podcast, question the narrative. Uh, and then you can also find No Mercy on Apple, but not on Spotify. Spotify. So no mercy's canceled on Spotify but not Apple. I'm canceled on Apple but not Spotify. So you can find me anywhere or not find me anywhere. <laughs> I'm sure they prefer to find you. Yeah. Um and for the new listeners, you can find me Deplorable Janet on Instagram or at no Janet Kate and OW on Twitter. You can find me on actual activist with an S dot com 
Alt Media United, or you can find me now on video versions of the podcast on Roku TV, exclusively on Roku uh, with the video versions, and that is under Patriot Podcast Network. So make sure that you go search out me, search out Bob, like, subscribe, download, comment, share. Download the Roku channel and hit the little star button in the top right corner. Leave a five-star review because, you know, everybody on there works very hard. So for me and for Bob, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one.